Hello my lovelies, welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Marikin, and this is now going to be the jumping off point for my next franchise deep dive. I hope you'll join me over the next five episodes, ten weeks, as myself and different guests discuss and explore the amazing, highly underrated franchise that is the Final Destination franchise. Each week will be a different film discussed in depth with different guests and follow along on my Twitter and my Instagram and let me know what you think as the episodes are released. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy recording these fantastic episodes. Hello and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Morrigan, and we are continuing the deep dive into the Final Destination franchise. Last episode, I discussed Final Destination, the very first film with the wonderful Cat Hughes. And today I am joined by Iona to discuss Final Destination 2. So before we jump into discussing the film itself, if you could just kind of introduce yourself, what your connection to the horror community is, and maybe what made you fall in love with horror as a genre. Yeah, of course. So yeah, I am Iona. I am a writer at Ghouls Magazine. Um, I have been a long, long time horror fan. I mean, I, I'm pretty certain my second word when I was a baby was something to do with an exorcism or something. It like, I, I, it's, it's born and bred into me. Um, my, my dad is very much into his horror as well. Uh, but kind of like the sci-fi side. Mm. So that's kind of my beginnings, my, my origin, I guess. Um, and then from there, yeah, I've kind of just found my own way and I've ended up being a massive fan of like, 90s slashes because I'm a 90s baby so going back to my roots like learning kind of what was around when I was a a little tiny baby um and yeah any anything that people throw at me I'm kind of willing to give a go with horror really brilliant amazing and yeah just like no matter who I've talked to on the podcast about no matter what films are talking about it always seems to be that just with horror it is that type of like almost like legacy hand-me-down type of genre like everyone that I've talked to has either an older sibling or a parent that was just like here come I am introducing you to the genre and it's like I just love it because like you don't see it with any other type of genre it's not like you know it's not like with rom-coms where it's like you got a parent going (laughs) here are my favorite rom-coms please watch this terrible portrayal of human connection (laughs) (laughs) I definitely I definitely agree with you there it's like uh like I have like a memory of like watching like invasion of the body snatchers like on a little tiny four by three tv like thinking it was the greatest thing in the world but if you talk about any other genre i genuinely can't name a single film that my parents were like you need to like watch this this is like the legacy of your future like no it's 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 horror it's always been horror <laughs> <laughs> yep and and we love it and I think it's why the horror community is so interconnected because everyone has that shared connective experience which is fantastic and now that thank you for saying that piece about yourself and your connection to horror and yes for anyone who doesn't know go seek out Ghouls magazine because everything that they put out is just fantastic whether it's written articles their kind of video interviews just everything go support them because they're worth it and um, l'oreal catchphrase who knew <laughs> I, I wasn't intending for that but hey we'll leave it in i love it <laughs> Brilliant. perfect um but yes today we are here to talk about final destination 2 and when i put out the tweet looking to you know that I was looking for guests to talk about this franchise before you had even like said yes I was just like I know that I'm gonna hope Iona says yes so we can talk Final <laughs> Destination 2 because I just remember when you guessed it on Egrain's Water Screen podcast you gushed about the film and I was just oh. like okay well if there, there couldn't be anyone more perfect to come on and talk about it so oh bless you that's yeah. really nice for you to say <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think I might have uh slightly confused Igraine with my choice to be honest she was just like like she she let she let me have my platform she let me have my soapbox <laughs> but she was also a bit like hun why <laughs> I know it was but it was brilliant um so before we kind of like jump into discussing the film in detail what about Final Destination 2 as a film as a whole do you love and maybe for people who might not have seen it a brief kind of synopsis of the film 
Oh lord, here we go. This is this is when I'm going to try and like not ramble about the synopsis because yeah. I could literally talk for days about this film. Um, I I think out of all of Founders Nation films, the second one is by far my favourite, even though it was the worst in terms of revenue at the box office mm. because it takes the first film and goes, okay, they enjoyed the gore. They enjoyed kind of like the accidents, I guess, in terms of the, the deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can we kick it up a notch and make it something that people experience even more on a daily basis than a plane? So basically you see Kimmy, Kimberly uh, on... Uh, a road trip with a bunch of her friends. Uh, she has a vision that a log truck on the highway is going to cause a horrible accident, which inf- includes fire and motorcycles crushing people and cars flipping in the air and a bus of students shouting the words pile up as they drive along because they're apparently, you know, jocks having a fight. Um, and all of this, all of this comes to fruition. Uh, she stops the traffic, um, saves a bunch of people um but in the process her friends die in the car um Mm. and it's basically just all the events that happen afterwards are death taking the toll back uh collecting the deaths that he's owed um and yeah and we also get a a, a second lovely uh, intervention from the beautiful tony todd so that makes me happy (laughs) yes 100 i was only just talking with kat on the last episode about how even like Tony Todd was like one of the just and no matter even if people who did, hadn't seen Candyman didn't know who he was when people saw Final Destination for the first time he's the one bit everyone remembers because he's oh, yes. just he just brings so much like gravitas and power and just like very like sexual charisma to everything oh, he does like it's just he, his voice every oh everything it <laughs> is it's like it's it's his voice it's his presence it's the fact that he's like the most Shakespearean sounding man with an American accent yep. like the way that the, he's like monologues about death I'm just like tell me again like sorry yep. I wasn't listening I was just lost in the like base of your voice <laughs> I love it and I love how both in the first film and then in this film as well in the second film he's just like this perfect plot device to basically kind of just deliver the rules of death to you yeah or either if it's not the original rules it's the slight tweaks and what you need to try and cheat death or mm-hmm. defeat death at his game and it's just brilliant because like it's just like he just steps in does his monologue this is what you need to do and then disappears and he just does it while being really creepy with a sinister laugh and he is huge which you oh, never yeah. like I, I was only saying it like I never realized it watching Candy man how big he is but you Mm -hmm. see it in these films because I think they deliberately frame it to show how much space he takes up and it is impressive he is is daunting (laughs) like as a figure he is a daunting human in like in all the best ways like his presence in that room he walks in and you're just like whoa there he is like and like your attention is nowhere else but that man (laughs) yeah and oh he, he just steals the scenes he delivers his lines perfectly and it's just okay we know where we lie this is what needs to happen and it just sets the rest of the story in motion and it's brilliant exactly I I adore it I adore it so much (laughs) but um I was watching this film and I rewatched it last night as well and (laughs) every time I watch this film Every time Kimberly is on screen, all I'm thinking is like, oh, there's Agent, Agent Jerome from Criminal Minds. Because yes! like, that's, that's literally all I see because that's her, like AJ Cook's probably most famous role. So I'm just yeah. like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be <laughs> with these group of people. You should be off like, you know, with the BAU analyzing criminals. Yeah, <laughs> it's like go solve a crime. <laughs> exactly. You're in the wrong place. <laughs> oh, oh, I love that. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, But going into the film itself and kind of breaking it down I loved how one of the things that you pointed out in your fantastic notes that you sent me in advance (laughs) of this recording but was the bit about how the film kind of kicks off with basically hearing this guest on this kind of tv show kind of being interviewed and kind of like it's a brilliant way of like you could have not even seen the first film because he literally just explains basically what happened in the first film while talking about how we should all be basically fearful of death at all times. Yeah. <laughs> he's a li- he's a he- he's a brilliant like example of like particularly I think in America, but maybe elsewhere as well. But there's always just that kind of like 
you just wheel out the kind of conspiracy theory type person onto your TV show to kind of have a little bit of a rant and then wheel them back off and scare people. And it's yeah, a brilliant yeah. tactic. But he, um, yeah, go ahead. He He's like, like saying about Tony Todd being like Mr. Exposition. This man at the beginning <laughs> of, of FD2 is also Mr. Exposition because like it is literally just like, honey, don't worry if you've not seen the first one. Let me sit you down. Let me tell you how it goes. Like death's coming for us all. You're all screwed. <laughs> Oh, it's, and it's just I like I'd say, I could understand how some people might be like, oh, it's such a cheap way of like you know bringing people into the film. But I'm just like, but it works. It's effective. It like does what it says on the tin. It kind of goes, here's what happened. Now we're into a new movie and a new story. Boom, yeah, bang. I we think, know where we are. I think it also it, like it is a really good opportunity to kind of bring the new audience in, like. Like mm. I said, like you don't have to watch the first one to understand the second one. Like obviously you get all the Easter eggs, you get like the story kind of continuing on as you see for the rest of the series as well, which is yeah. one of the things I'm always defending. Everyone's like, oh, but they're just like slasher films. But like with with the slasher like person being like death and like you don't ever see him. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, no, 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 no. There is like so much more nuance to this. <laughs> so much more nuance, but also... The fact that you don't see the killer makes it more sinister and terrifying. Exactly. Like, that like to me, that's like the most effective type of like kind of slasher killer because you never see him. Like, you know, yeah. covers his tracks perfectly because he doesn't have any corporeal presence. Brilliant. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant tactic. More killers need to do that. Ghostface, stop being an actual person and just become this weird cosmic entity. Brilliant. Yeah. Bring it, make it make it more supernatural. Then we can talk. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you know, now I'm just picturing like Ghostface comes back from hell like they did with Jason or Michael. And it's just like, oh no, don't go that direction screen, please. <laughs> I was gonna say, maybe that might might that might accept, uh, upset some of the diehard scream fans. <laughs> Possibly, possibly, mm-hmm. but it could be a brilliant popcorn film, so who knows? That's true. <laughs> but um, like the next bit, like that, I kind of one of the things that stood out for me um, with the film, kind of like after the premonition has happened and like they've kind of left the um, police office, police station, it's one of the things that like the first notes <laughs> like I wrote down because it just stood out to me and it was, I just found it so bizarre. And it was one of the things that you mentioned as well. But it was about like how this film kind of falls into that, you know, oh, we're going to do some research now because it was very early 2000s and showing people going to the websites and doing that because the internet was so new and a fad. (laughs) But I was watching it and one of the websites that the police officer clicks on is like, you know, the deaths of the flight 180 and stuff like that and it like has like pictures of like the people at their death scenes and there's just one picture of like Todd dead in the bathtub and the cap and the caption is like a sneaky picture before the police arrived and I'm just like I've watched Final Destination the first film and he lived with his parents so did like one of his parents just take a picture of his dead body and post I I don't know I just kind of I love that it was just ridiculous and like I'm kind of thinking Maybe it's just because of how much of a fad, like, newfangled thing the internet was at the time. They didn't really question the logic of that. I think, I genuinely do think, like, like, I, I did have a moment where I paused and was like, wait, is this like a police database that he's searching up? Like, is this, and then I like looked back and I was like, no, this is just straight up the internet. Like, these like death pictures are just on the internet. And I mean, obviously, like the internet's a dangerous place. We all know that the, that the scary stuff like that is on there. I have come across some of that stuff before and I'm like, no, 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 switch yeah. off, switch off. I will be on some sort of list. Like, let's not do that. <laughs> um, but like with, with these pictures, yeah, like you said, like the, the, the comment of like, basically it's like, oh, sneaky pick before the, before the authorities show. It's like, whoa there. Like, realistically, if someone put that up on the internet, they would be blocked from everything ever again. I know. (laughs) I love it. It's it's absolute chaos. Like, but it also is like the perfect representation of like that day and age. Like the early 2000s of just like, internet, so interesting. Like, (laughs) check out all these things you can see. There's like no, there's no like safety features. Totally, because back then it very much was like the wild, it, wild west era of the internet. It literally was. It was you like you could see anything. I mean, I mean, I am, I am definitely a child of the internet. Like I yep. grew up during that kind of era, and 
god forbid like what that did to me <laughs> maybe maybe that's why i'm so into my horror now <laughs> possibly possibly maybe that's why i'm into horror and doing the podcast because i grew up during the era of the internet unsupervised oh, yeah yeah <laughs> the things we saw exactly oh lord <laughs> that, that you could make a horror film about it they probably have <laughs> somewhere oh yeah somewhere, Some, somewhere. It, it'll at least be a student film at university somewhere definitely like someone would have been like i'm exploring the trauma of my childhood from the internet <laughs> 100 um but yeah i just that was just one of the ones that jumped out at me as going hold on that's a little bit a little bit weird yeah um, <laughs> oh, but beautiful i just oh these films are just so chaotic and i love it but, oh yeah um, one of the scenes like the but yes actually the first thing i wrote down in my notes which also you wrote down and i love that was just logs because yeah. like <laughs> this film like has just had such like a cultural impact that like even if people haven't seen the full film they just have that instant moment of terror of like oh I'm not going to be driving behind a truck carrying logs yeah <laughs> it's like like especially like in the past oh god it must have been like the past few months um I keep seeing like I mean I'm I'm I don't understand TikTok. I don't use it. It just, it doesn't register with me at all. But I keep seeing like people's TikTok videos that have then been put on Instagram. Yeah. And it's like, uh, someone's like, if you know, you know, and it will be like the log truck driving up, <laughs> driving up the road. And, and, and there's someone in the car going, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just like, that is me. <laughs> like, that is our generation. Cause we're all just so scared of that truck now because of exactly what happens. And I mean, to be fair, the first shot of the police officer getting a full log to the face. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's like, we're scared. Exactly. But I just like, I just love how, and I was saying it when I was uh, talking to Kat on the last episode, but I just love how this film, particularly Final Destination 2, um, it's just the way certain horror and genre films just have such a lasting impact on culture and on people that like you just automatically have that association because of these films existing. And I just think that's like fantastic that like, automatically everyone of a certain age certain generation will just be like nope nope not going in there not doing that not associating with that nope and I just think it's beautiful (laughs) yeah oh oh god yeah it's like it's it's, it's like uh like the older generations being really really scared of water as soon as Jaws came out and like the Mm -hmm. big like it was it was literally a generational thing there was like that that era of people were all just like no like I can't go swimming now a a shark might get me and you're like well you don't live anywhere where there's sharks why are you scared (laughs) you're in a lake in England there's not (laughs) (laughs) why are you freaking out you're in a bathtub come on (laughs) though that being said there's little tangent but anyone who listens to my podcast will know one of my all-time favorite absolutely terrible films is Ghost Shark so you are never safe no matter what water you're in <laughs> oh. Looks like there's a slight freezing. Oh yeah. Oh, are we back? Oh, sorry. I think I cut out for a second. You but with with Ghost Shark, a hundred percent. It is. It's 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 the it's the uh the cup of water. That's the that's the one that gets me. I'm like, the oh, shark you can't... is tearing the man yeah. in half. Yeah, you just you can't you can't even get you can't even go and do like cooler talk now. Like, yep, it's gonna get you. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love that film. Egraine still hasn't forgiven me for <gasps> forcing her to watch it. To for like we, she did an episode of So Bad Is Good for her podcast, and mm-hmm. she still hasn't forgiven me for making her watch Ghost Shark. <laughs> <laughs> I can uh, I can see why. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but little tangent out of the way. <laughs> but um. I just have so many things written down, almost like your notes as well, because there's so much that happens that just stands out in this film. But oh, yeah. one of the one of the scenes that like I just found like absolutely ridiculous but hilarious was just like before, like I think it's like during the premonition before like the crash happens, but the stoner guy is just like takes like a big hit and then just looks out the window and then the the random biker chick is just like hey boobs and (laughs) and he's just like coughing and trying to get his friend's attention and then like when the friend looks out it's just the old biker with sticking the middle finger up and I was just like this like has no reason to be in the film but it's just ridiculous and I adore it and I think it just captures the essence of these films that so much of it is just does it need to be here 
no, but we're going to throw um, it in here anyway, because we embrace chaos in the oh, Final yeah. Destination Fantas- franchise. <laughs> I think I think the best way to describe the Final Destination franchise from that is they're all here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, and, and that lady flashing is like, oh, it's, th- it's this era of film. Okay, yeah, oh, yes, it's definitely yeah. a throwback to the early 2000s again. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just say, oh yeah, early 2000s. And you can tell when you look at the IMDb credits, was there any woman involved in the directing or writing of this? No, not at all. It was all men. Yes, so, and you yes, can tell. You can easily tell, because, yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, but then I just, like, the and the one thing, like, that I'm kind of just, like, circling back to the random image of Todd dead on the internet, that, like, the difference between the first film and the second film is different director, different writing team so I'm kind of thinking maybe if we had the same director and writing team they might have had the presence of mind to go hmm maybe we won't throw that image of dead Todd and in the internet with the caption of sneaky pick before the authorities arrive because <laughs> it makes no sense narratively. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the continuity across this series is some of it is lacking due to the fact that they had so many swap overs with like the directors and the writers and then like people came back and then they yeah. went away again and they came back again and you're just like just stay <laughs> it'd yeah, just be exactly. easier if you stay exactly if you just keep the same connected like as in my previous deep dive series i did was into the purge films oh, yeah. and at least you know whether the quality of those films are great throughout is you know debatable but at least it has the same man writing and directing from start all the way to end so it's like the same voice so at least it makes it slightly more consistent um but when I was looking up like the directors and the writers of this the director is David R. Ellis and I was like oh what else has he done (laughs) the other like most notable film to his name that I could see was the terrific 2006 film Snakes on a Plane (laughs) oh Oh, that is a romp and a half (laughs) so I was just like Final Destination 2 and Snakes on a Plane. Yeah. That, like, that's, the, like, you know, that's the, the two films to have in your repertoire. Oh, yeah. And I think I think the best thing is, like, with this director, I think, so his, his background is, like, stunts. So he is, like, a stunt coordinator kind of background. Mm. And you can definitely tell from this and from Snakes on a Plane, <laughs> like, there is no other type of person that would make this kind of film unless they had, like, a action stunt kind of backgrounds that they just kind of wanted they wanted to dip their toe into horror but at the same time they were like but also make it action like (laughs) there is no other way that you could explain this oh I know and actually just on the one of my favorite things about the notes that you sent over was you actually provided like the background of how the different deaths were pulled off I love that because I was just like you know that's like something that like I wouldn't have known where to research for that and anything and I just like I love that attention to detail so thank you for that and one of the first like actually the kind of I think it is the first death of the people who survived the crash is the typical rich lotto winner white asshole character and like what I love about the final destination films and like it starts with the first one and it just continues throughout the franchise but it's just how drawn out the deaths are like it's Mm -hmm. just like like you literally I'm just like I wonder if like death is like secretly like a cat because it's just like toying with its victims. It's just like, oh, like, oh no, no, I'm not going to kill you just yet. No, no. Oh, I'll let you go. Ah, no, no. It's just like it, brilliant. I love it. But yeah. it's just like the, that character, I think Evan is his name, the mm-hmm. lotto winner. But it's just like he arrives back to his apartment randomly like takes his top off to start like open pan cooking which is just like straight off that is just like not a good decision like when no it, like at least put an apron on if you want to be bare-chested but come yeah on. but the first thing he just chucks his like leftover pasta from the night before out the window onto the floor and i'm just like if there's any way to show you that this is an entitled asshole of a character, it's that because it's just like, oh, this pasta, not my problem. <laughs> the other people can deal with it. <laughs> just... It really is. He's like, like he is the most stereotypical entitled rich white boy that you'll ever see in your life. Like every single trope that you can physically give him is there. Yeah. And like saying about him being shirtless. So I 
like on this on in my day job i do like risk assessments and stuff for like uh, tv shoots and mm-hmm. things like that so i do like a lot of uh logistics and a lot of like health and safety as soon as he took his top off to start cooking my brain was like he could get oil burns like this is a real safety risk he needs to be careful and then he threw the spaghetti out the window and i was like do you know what he deserves to get burned like don't you don't you don't throw leftovers out the out the window like i'd be i'd be like oh let's get tupperware let's put that in the fridge we'll save that for later <laughs> but no he's just like, like throw it <laughs> not, not not my problem anymore exactly it's like so bizarre but then like i just kind of like love like he like opens his like new ring that he's bought and his new mm-hmm watch and then like he's just like playing the voice recorder and it's just like all these messages from random women that are just like hey i heard you won the lotto let's hook up and just yeah. like it's just like again you can tell it's clearly just men who have written this film because, and also uh you can tell it's from that era of early 2000s <laughs> like um but it's like what happens is like his ring like slips falls down the drain and then again terrible risk assessment he leaves mm-hmm. the watch on while he puts his hand down the drain and it's just why wouldn't you go with the hand without the watch or just in general like have you not watched horror films like yeah. putting your hand down a drain is clearly not a smart idea <laughs> oh no I think my one of my favorite things about uh a lot just a lot of horror films in general really is no one seems to have an awareness of other horror so like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff you're like really dude really you're gonna do that like have you not seen all of these like examples of like horrible accidents that happen when you do stupid things like put your hand down a drain and because it's in america it's a garbage disposal as well so like yep. if that thing goes <laughs> off his hand is gone <laughs> exactly like it's just not a clever idea no. and then uh, but again it's just like this scene just sh- like everything that could go wrong is going wrong because mm. death is fucking with him like his hand is stuck in the drain then all of a sudden like the microwave is like going into a flaming rage of fire yeah. and the pan is going on fire <laughs> And then he stupidly gets his towel and is just like smacks it off. The, like, what, what do you do? And it just lands on the floor and sets everything on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I also just don't know what his motivation was there. Like, if you're going to smack a pan with a towel and it's going to go flying, and you've also got like cardboard right next to that pan, clearly things are going to go on fire. Like, there is going to be a problem. <laughs> like, yeah, you you can tell that he's clearly someone who just happened to win the lotto, come into money. He's not the brightest and, no, like, and it really emphasizes that yeah i think i think calling him not the brightest is probably the nicer way to say it i'm like <laughs> this 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 man's a moron <laughs> yeah oh oh for sure but oh, i yeah. just like love how he like eventually like manages to get his hand loose and then he's like the windows just both shut and is like death is like you're not getting out of here and then he, oh, no, no. the smartest thing he does is he grabs the chair and breaks the window gets out and then starts climbing down the stairs and then the ladder won't move and he eventually falls off the ladder and he's like huh I made it I'm safe and then he slips on the pasta he threw out so it's just like you got your comeuppance if you hadn't have done that you wouldn't have slipped on the pasta you fucker that (laughs) is true karma (laughs) yeah exactly and then he dies by being impaled by the ladder (laughs) yeah uh, and you go in actually because that was one of the things that you one of the deaths that you did have a description for so if you could just kind of go into detail for listeners for how they pulled that off, because I thought it was sounded really interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I have like a big interest in like special effects and stuff. So I always want to kind of look into it a bit further when this mm. when there's this kind of level of gore in a film. And basically what they did for this death was they had a dummy that they filled with like meat and gore like in its head and then had the ladder fall through the dummy's eye socket. And then obviously from there everyone would know if it was a dummy if you have mm-hmm. that much of a close-up so they then cgi'd the actors like the rest of the actor's face onto the dummy's face and only kept the eye socket for the gore um so it's like it like i thought it was quite smooth for the early 2000s i was like oh yeah, like, you don't like, actually it notice it doesn't look that obvious like to yeah. be like cgi like i thought it was pretty well done and like i like how and almost like this film like did a lot of it from the like looking into it that you had sent me on I like how, and it seems that now we're having that renaissance of like physical effects coming back. And I like mm-hmm. when you get physical, like as in you use both to their best abilities, as in you yes. kind of go, 
physical is great for certain things and CGI is great for other things. Let's combine them to make it look better rather than go, we'll just do everything in CG and in 10 years it will look shit because CG has moved on. Like yeah. So I like when you combine it and I think that's why you're looking at these deaths and most of them stand up to this day because it's that mix of practical and CG. Exactly. And I mean... Yeah. I feel like I feel like uh the one of the other films that can perfectly kind of show that is Jurassic Park because mm-hmm. like they use like a lot of the practical dinosaurs but then when it wasn't physically possible they then added the CGI into it and the mix in that is like just as good now like you watch that film now and you're like wow like this is this is pretty spot on still and I feel like especially the first few Final Destination films they do it quite well I say like one to three you you're pretty good yeah. on the practical with the CGI as well definitely and um, definitely and as i go into the other films that will be something that crops up a bit more because i definitely think the later ones lean more into the cg because it's the era that yeah. they're made in and it's unfortunate because in some ways like some of the later ones almost look more dated than the oh, original yeah. ones which is weird um which is just bizarre because of like the times they are made and mm-hmm. um, but yeah and oh but now let's uh, go into that was the first death of many deaths in this film. So but many. I, oh, there are so many. And I think <laughs> like that's why you just, that's why I just, you know, anyone who refutes that the Final Destination films are slashers, I just go, no, because they are clearly slashers because they have so many ridiculous deaths. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. And I think the one scene which happens a little bit later on, which to me is like solid proof that Final Destination is a slasher franchise is when Eugene after being in the lift when one character gets decapitated by the lift which is just hilarious and (laughs) just like an elevator smut like like because like elevators aren't that thin so like I'm just like how yeah I'm just like I'm not not gonna question the logic of it decapitation (laughs) perfect but that's when he believes something is happening and he freaks out and he bursts back into the apartment and he grabs the policeman's gun and he's just like, I'm going to go out on my own terms and pulls the trigger six times. And death is just like, nah, no, mate, <laughs> you're yeah. not dying now, which I'm just like, one confirms it is a slasher franchise. And also it just proves that death is a sadistic piece of shit because, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because like, you know, at the end of the day, all death, if all death wants is just everyone who's supposed to die dies then it would have let Eugene die right then. But it's yeah. like, nope, I have my design. You're supposed mm-hmm. to die when I want you to. And that is sadistic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, someone has like, uh, flipped a few two pages too far like in a script. And Death's like, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not on page 24 yet, Eugene. We're on page 16. You, you die on page 24. This is, we're, not, we're not there yet. Just simmer down. You'll get your turn. <laughs> oh, which is, oh, I just adore it i just love yeah. it so much and i feel so bad for him afterwards because he's just like like all of all of the bullets are in there still and they were all duds and he just is completely disbelieving and he's just like i can't believe that didn't work yeah he just breaks down yeah. and it's just like you kind of like feel so sorry for him and then at the same time the character of rory who's one of my favorites in oh. this film rory is he's just a dream he's my man I, I will like anyone who's like nice nah, druggies bad news I'm like I will fight you on this I will die on this hill Rory is the best character oh he, he's the standout but I just love yes. how it's just like up until this point the entire villain is basically like off his head on cocaine yeah. and then he just sees the fact that someone tried to kill themselves with six dud bullets and it's almost like straight away he's like sobered up and he's just like yeah. oh shit and and then, we're dealing with it now and then he does like the awkward shoulder hug with you Eugene like I'm so sorry man you're okay <laughs> yeah it's just like we're men we can't really be affectionate no, to each no. other so it's just like I'm gonna slightly be like I'm here for you but I'm also no homo bro yeah <laughs> early 2000s ridiculousness it like, really is oh wow I hadn't even thought of that it is literally like that it's, oh it's brilliant oh it really is but yeah it's just the stuff that they just do with Rory and his character and 
I just love when we first see Rory during the premonition at the start of the film. He's literally just like sniffing coke and you see the police car and you just see him go up and he's just like straightening and it's like, I am totally sober right now. He's like 10 and 2, I'm a responsible driver, off I go. And then as soon as the police car's gone, he's like, what, you're going to pull me over? Like, I will fight you. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, you can tell, you can tell the type of person that Rory's going to be straight away. He's definitely like all talk no balls <laughs> yeah he's, and he's, you know he's definitely going to be one of the comedic relief characters as well yeah. which you always need in like these type of kind of horror films because like like you know <laughs> this isn't a hereditary where it's an onslaught of emotions this, oh, yeah. you know, this is more a popcorn horror and you're gonna yeah, have a bit of fun is, this is more like a cabin in the woods kind of vibe where yes. i also ended up being completely in love with the stoner <laughs> yep oh exactly it's always it's always the druggy boys i don't know what it is <laughs> It's just because they're the ones, I don't know, they're the ones that seem most relatable because, like, they're usually always the ones that are harping on about, the, you know, how terrible capitalism is and all that. And, like, you know, when you're some form of, like, a queer leftist type person, you'll just associate with those characters. It just works. Exactly. It makes sense. <laughs> it, it just makes me laugh that the assumption is there, though. It's like, you are leftist, you, like, have these certain beliefs, you must be a druggie. <laughs> You're just like, ah, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> I know. It's just like when probably in like reality, the biggest cokeheads are like, you know, the Wall Street people and stuff like yeah, that, you know? exactly. And like, you'd kind of like love to see that reflected in horror films <laughs> rather than it's just like, oh yeah, it's those weird socialists and communists. They're the ones that are big druggies. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. When it's like, oh, usually they're like vegan, like, you know, sober, mm-hmm. <laughs> the opposite. It's Like hilarious. really looking after their bodies, really looking after their mental health it's like the representation there is just non-existent I mean to be fair especially in this kind of early 2000s vibe the the assumptions were rife and the the real facts were just not there definitely and like I, I think another one of the scenes that you could just like because like, it's just like when you look back at so many of the kind of like late 90s, early 2000s films, so many of them, when like you no longer have like the, you know, glasses of nostalgia, you're kind of just like, oh, <laughs> there's loads like, that. That's got you... problems. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that makes you wince. And one of the bits was like during the premonition and then also just before she saves the people, but like just like the random kind of like homeless woman who kind of like is you is there to kind of be like, I'm scary. Yeah. And then also is used for laughs in a way because like the kind of two bros in the car are kind of just like, oh, is that your mom? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, like, honestly, honestly, both times that she drops her cans out of the bag, I was genuinely like, well, someone just get out the car and give her a hand. Like, like, she's not like, why are you being so mean to her? (laughs) Just go and help the poor woman. Right. Bless her. Exactly. But I think, like, that is like, so indicative of the time like Mm -hmm. that was made. But also just kind of, I think, just American culture in general, where they, they very much are just like, Oh yeah, homeless people—they're—they're they're just not to be looked at or considered. They're not people. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like they're either the problem, they're scary, or they should be invisible. That's like the three ideologies that seem to come out of American cinema with the homeless. It's like, um, yeah, I know, I know you mentioned Ygrain the other uh, earlier, and uh, when I was on when I was talking to her on her podcast, uh, I brought up Prince of Darkness, which mm-hmm. I I'm I'm not <laughs> apologizing for because it's a chaos <laughs> film and all hail goo Satan, but. The homeless representation in that as well is like, oh, like it's so bad. Like if if you look at it from a modern lens, it's it would be so problematic to do now in it so for so many reasons. And to be honest, the the poor woman in a in Fantasy Nation Two is the same. I'm just like, no, no, no. Like you shouldn't have used her as a scare trope and a like comedy trope. It's just not really appropriate. <laughs> exactly, and like I think it's like maybe I'm kind of like thankful that like as far as I can tell that was like probably one of the only kind of like moments of going oh this dates it a bit because like yeah there's not much that does otherwise there's like, I think there's like one other bit that made me kind of go oh that's of the oh. time um and it's um when uh Nora and Tim so the mum who dies by decapitation in the lift yes. and Tim who almost dies by choking on a fish and then gets uh crushed by the what? pane of glass which also, beautiful moment. Literally one of my favourite kills in the, in the oh, whole thing. It's so terrific. But also, now uh, that it's like, that's just like a legitimate fear I have. I'm yeah. just going to be walking around going, 
<laughs> is there giant panes of glass? Because I do not want to die that way. <laughs> I'm just going to forever fear pigeons. Like, I love pigeons, but I'm also terrified of them. But uh, but yeah, like with those two, there's there's a line that Tim says before he goes into the dentist's oh, and yeah. he turns around to his mom and he's and he says something like, oh, if he gives me the gas and my pants are unbuttoned uh, when I wake up, we ain't paying. And, and his mom is just like, um, what? <laughs> she she <laughs> kind of just laughs and then goes, okay like, yeah, just, she like laughs and it kind of goes wait a sec <laughs> like yeah. but like i feel yeah. like if you if you had that in a modern film people would be like oh yeah that's maybe mm. not a maybe not appropriate joke maybe <laughs> maybe we don't like like yeah don't, don't that... insinuate the dentist uh is gonna have his way with the teenage yeah. boy it's a li- yeah actually yeah that scene is also a little bit uh, i don't it makes know. me like cringe but also laugh but then cringe again i'm yeah. like i don't know how to like portray my feelings right now <laughs> exactly but also like not knowing how to react that entire build-up to tim's death oh. is so drawn it's so drawn out <laughs> and so intense like because you just like every time the dentist is like in his mouth with like you and then just a random pigeon oh my god oh, it like, no. makes you jump each time it's like done so well like it really yeah. plays on your nerves yeah <laughs> and, and as someone who is like a little bit terrified of the dentist I oh, yeah. like I mean I, I understand now where my nerves come from from watching stuff like this <laughs> where it's like oh a random noise is gonna make my dentist jump and stab me in the mouth (laughs) i don't want that thank you no and then the gas as well and like the the fact that the oxygen goes off and the nitrous oxide gets like like it goes higher and higher and it goes up and up and then like he's absolutely tripping and you can see (laughs) the the dial the fish dial above him getting further and further away and you're like oh wow he's just gonna suffocate like that's gonna be how he goes like falls into his (laughs) mouth like i know my god and i just but like again i think this is something that the final destination films do terrifically mm-hmm. is it's just like it's like because they know people are expecting something to happen so they're playing on you and playing yeah. with you because it's just like oh is this gonna be it is this gonna be it and then they actually make it out of the dentist's office and then like he dies because he like scares the pigeons which like makes one of the workers hit the thing that is carrying the pane of glass and it falls on him but I'm Mm -hmm. just like I'm just kind of thinking I kind of think Kimberly and the police officer are probably responsible because all they did all they did was they just yelled pigeons (laughs) they didn't yell anything else they just were running going pigeons and And surely your reaction would be like oh there's pigeons I'm gonna shoo them away (laughs) and especially especially because they're shouting pigeons at a teenager like a teenager's instant reaction is like i mean i mean also like he is he's 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 a funny teen because obviously like the stuff that he says is a bit weird and, yeah <laughs> so he's he's a bit of an odd one anyway and then you shout pigeons at him. obviously the kid's reaction is they're gonna go okay i'm gonna run at these pigeons like woo let's like bat them away so yeah i definitely i definitely agree with you i think it's their fault that he dies <laughs> that's on them yeah because i like if they had of like you know just ran up without saying pigeons mm-hmm. they could probably would have got there and he might not have shooed the pigeons away and yeah. he might have survived though given that death has a design probably wouldn't have but at the same time i'm just like they're clearly responsible because all they do is shout the word pigeons not mm-hmm. anything else no <laughs> any it's other like, word yeah they could they could have literally just said stop and if he'd stopped where he was and just not stepped in front and the pigeons wouldn't have been shooed and then the glass wouldn't have fell. But but also, like I was saying earlier, it is one of my absolute favourite deaths in this film. It is just, it's the way that his body like folds <laughs> over itself underneath <laughs> the glass as it comes out. I mean, it, it, was, another, uh, it was another practical effect with mm-hmm. a mannequin because Fondest Nation loved their mannequins. But... I just, I can't think of how they made that mannequin fold over the way it does. It really does just go like legs, body, face. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like almost like some weird Tetris death. It was just yeah. like, slip. Oh, I loved just, it. it was, everything slots in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, just like the perfect amount of like, you know, teen horror gore as mm-hmm. in because like, you know, this is not like a rated R 18s. It's not everything on display, but it's a, good amount of gore to make you gonna go that's like that is not a way you want to go yeah (laughs) exactly but also it looks like i guess it was instant so he might not have felt anything but who knows (laughs) i mean his poor mum felt something wow oh oh, yeah woman (laughs) for sure and also the way she goes 
Mm. circling back is she is the one that gets decapitated in the lift like Mm -hmm. hers is a little bit drawn out like hers is kind of one of the more kind of slightly grotesque ones Mm -hmm. but like again the police officer this is probably the second death he's probably responsible for because he rings her and just goes a man with hooks is going to kill you And clearly, clearly her being in a lift with a man with hooks for hat, like in a in a basket, sorry. And and also the fact that sorry, that man is so creepy. He oh. smells her hair. Yeah. What is his problem? He's like he's clearly just a creepy pervert. Yeah. But I love like that's literally all he is. He's just a creepy pervert. Like with a basket full of hands. Yeah. <laughs> with a basket full of hands and hooks. Yeah. Other than that, he's in quote in quotation marks harmless i guess he's just a bit of a creepy pervert that smells yeah. random women's hair and, and I love eugene's, how eugene's face is like yeah he's he genuinely that face <laughs> is genuinely the fuck <laughs> like, what are you doing like and the it, man just like mm, i'm not doing anything I, he's like ah oh, this lady's lovely i'm not gonna do a thing look oh, we're in an elevator mm. <laughs> <laughs> but then like literally one of the hooks like catches her hair mm-hmm. and then like she like tries to run away goes Wah! and then like the lifts open and then she like tries to run out but because her hair is caught it closes on her head and then it starts going up (laughs) yeah and like you see the blood start coming out of her nose as she's getting like her death is pretty gruesome and so brutal yeah oh and then clear and cast the (laughs) the woman who exercises while smoking yes I yeah she is she she's an interesting character just in herself she she is yep. an absolute enigma to me that woman I'm like I do not understand your <laughs> motives at all but sure live your best life yeah, smoke exactly. while you're on a treadmill whatever do what you want yeah um, but yeah uh, her, her and clear being covered in blood like being covered absolutely drenched in Nora's blood and just coming back in and just being like so Nora's dead basically <laughs> oh yeah and like what I loved watching this is like the actress that plays Cat, uh, <laughs> the smoking exercise woman, is um, Keegan Connor Tracy. And the first thing I'd seen her in was um, the, oh, what's that TV show with the kind of like fairy tale characters coming into the real world? Oh, uh, is that Once Upon a Time? Upon a time yeah. Yes. She plays like the fairy godmother, the blue fairy in that. And, oh. I, just, like, and I just remember just like, I just see her and I'm just like, why are you a chain smoking woman on a treadmill <laughs> blue fairy like yeah. I, I love when you're re-watching older films and you see like like you know aj cook who's mm-hmm. she's clearly agent jerome from criminal minds nobody else <laughs> but when you watch these films and you see actors in earlier roles and you only have the associations you've made since then it makes it really interesting you're, it's almost like you're building this weird like noah's arc of characters of kind of going yeah Hmm, I didn't know all these people knew each other. Which which multiverse is this? It's like in in which canon version of this does she go from like being being this chain smoking treadmill lady who, who's really about her business and about like you know being successful to being the blue fairy? Yep, exactly. <laughs> Where's that I, transition? Yeah, I want to know. I'm I'm interested now. Yeah, <laughs> I want someone to write that story because that sounds exactly. pretty interesting. Yeah, but, but also her death later on is also. Oof like it's in that bit where the ambulance or not the ambulance but the van is being driven to the hospital with the Isabella who's mm-hmm. having the baby which they think will save everything but later on they realize not at all no, she wasn't <laughs> even supposed to die spoiler exactly. alert that you're screwed <laughs> <laughs> exactly but it's like it, I can't remember is that the van collides with their car or they just somehow oh no it's Kimberly has a vision while driving yeah don't 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 vision while you drive kids it it it, it ends badly yeah i mean it's just like and also at this point they i think most at least the police officer in clear know that kimberly has visions so you would kind of think they'd be like you know what kim we'll take the wheel yeah like don't worry about it you you sit in the back you can vision all you want we'll get you to the place you need to go just you know for our own safety as well Oh, but like, and then their car goes off, and clearly, as you as you said in your notes, it looks like Cash doesn't know how to operate the brakes of a car because no. it's just not working at all. Um, but then, like, literally, almost impaled by that white PVC pipe, like mm-hmm. that comes in the back. I, was it a news van that that came? Yeah. From? So no, no. So no, so, no. so so there was a. It was the. She, they did the crash. She got the log across her legs and the, the PVC pipe, which was like on the farm, like oh, on the back yes. of another truck, um, had like come through. And then 
the firefighter's trying to get Kat out of the car and she's like smoking away and it's just basically like, can you be quieter? And the guy's like, yeah, I'll put on quiet modes. I mean, also, sassy firefighter. I love him. He needs to appear in more films. (laughs) Just like, just random sassy firefighter just like giving quips. Yes, we need that Exactly. And then, and then, uh, he, he hits the door with like a jackhammer kind of like instrument trying to get her out. Oh, and then it just, comes away and you just see the pvc pipe through the front of her head and you're just like oof. i mean i, I assume it was a quick death like 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 tim's hope? earlier i yeah. would hope so you hope so but you, still, but still oh. like especially as like she had managed to avoid being impaled by the pvc yeah. pipe and then still doesn't matter she dies yeah. by that but then because she was smoking her hand falls and the cigarette and again it doesn't actually land near anything but because death has death's ways mm-hmm. that she just kind of makes it go oh there's something nearby that it could ignite but yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's gonna the jump mysterious over. death wind <laughs> exactly and uh, ignites like the gasoline which is gonna go swoop, and it makes the razor wire <laughs> cut through our beloved rory oh. unfortunately doesn't make it to the end he's not our final boy this no is i'm but, so like, sad oh, but again another terrifically made death because it oh. literally goes there's like slices through him and you kind of see like and i think it's it's something that you get in a lot of kind of horror films where someone's mm-hmm. been like you know just killed by being severed they, there's that moment of like them kind of going oh something's happened and blood yeah. drips out of their mouth and then they just go <laughs> yeah it's it's the fact that like his body falls in like three different ways like his legs are forward and then like his middle slides off and then his head and his like arm are kind of just like bloop just off the other side and it's the shock on his face of just well this is happening bye <laughs> Oh, and you said that was another mix of slightly practical and CG as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So this this one is, I think, is actually my favourite out of all of them just because of, like, how they did it. So basically, they got uh, another mannequin. We love <laughs> mannequins in this film. Um, They filled uh legs with, like, the gore and, like, the viscera that they wanted from, like, his intestines that were going to be shown. Um, They then had a, uh, the actor stand on a green screen and he, they only... Uh, basically dressed the actor um, up to his torso in his mm. character costume and then made him fall one way with like <laughs> green screen trousers on so that everything else would be kept, like, hidden and then um, had like the mannequin middle and the mannequin legs fall uh, the other ways. So, like they kind of got like pulled yeah. wires. And so his body kind of just like releases itself from itself. <laughs> and, and then all this like blood and gore and stuff just comes out of his legs. And you're just like, ah, oh, that's organs. Mm, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> yep. I'm glad I didn't eat just before seeing that. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. But also, and again, it was one of the, your notes, but I love how just before Rory kind of dies, he's just like goes to Kimberly, you know, if I die, will you like hide my drugs and porn oh. so my mom thinks good about me? And it's just he's, like, oh. He's secretly a mama's boy and he just doesn't want his mom to be disappointed. And it, oh, that really, it hurts me every time I rewatch that. I'm like, oh, even though he's like, he knows he's gone AWOL and he knows he's potentially messed up his life a little bit with all the drugs and the partying. But deep down, he just wants to make his mom proud. And he just, and, but it's, it's the best that he's like, um, Oh, can you can you hide all my drugs and and my paraphernalia and my porn? And he just keeps thinking of additional things that she needs to get rid of, so that his mom can like bury him in peace, basically. <laughs> Being like, my son was a good boy. <laughs> oh, I know, but I'm just like I'm watching it as well, like from like the lens of someone who's in living in 2022. I'm just like, mm-hmm. hey. Watching porn isn't something to be embarrassed about. No, that, no, 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 like, no. That's not a, you know, that's not a dirty thing. You know, no, come on now. It's, it's like, especially, especially when you're having like a grown up conversation, you're like, we're adults. We watch porn. It's fine. Come on. Like, exactly. And also, I mean, to be fair, it probably is the fact that he, he was probably referring to like, nudie mags like old style like 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 i'm, I'm imagining physical media yes the physical like playboy magazines underneath his like bed or something whereas like the the average 2022 adult will just go online <laughs> yeah just, like you can the, delete your browser history exactly. <laughs> if you're that ashamed it's, it's the one actual like you know it's it's hilarious because like you know with like you know particularly with horror fans there's this been they've been this renaissance of like wanting to have a physical 
incredible media collection and yes. like when it comes to music maybe as well mm-hmm. <laughs> the one genre where people are just like you know what I don't need a physical media collection is porn because oh, yes. like, <laughs> everyone's just like you know what it's actually a good thing this lives on the internet and I don't yeah. have to have it on display anywhere <laughs> it's like you don't have to have that panic when uh when you have certain guests come over to your house and you're like quick hide it because <laughs> you just close your laptop you're fine <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly no extensive sex toy collections that's a different question but I hey. mean that that is like you hide that in the back of the wardrobe and you fill the wardrobe with clothes and then hopefully you know no no one will go snooping unless unless you're on one of those like uh, come dine come with, dine me, with where me they're yes! gonna go into yes! your bedroom and look through your stuff and everything one of the weirdest segments of that show if anything that show is almost a horror show oh yeah it's just like these people are weird. That That is my version of a horror show. Like, <laughs> people snooping around my house and me having to entertain people that I don't know. That is right? my nightmare. Yeah, like That is horrific. Yeah, it would... Oh, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> we don't want to entertain that or go near that. Not at no. all. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, oh, I like how we're just going on random tangents. It's I know, I can't fun. help it. I'm so no, sorry. It's so entertaining. <laughs> I'm loving it. It's great. But um, just like going back, like I like how in your notes, like when you were like kind of like part of like about how, you know, it's just like, oh, Clear Rivers is still alive. And she's mm-hmm. in like, you know, the sanatorium, like safe in her like padded room. Like I I like really feel like I think Kimberly's like kind of like a little bit of a bitch because she kind of like yes. she guilts Claire into leaving her safe padded room yeah. and then Claire dies and like also in a random explosion where it's yeah. just kind of like it was more of like you were thinking oh Eugene's gonna die and it's like oh there's dead Claire as well yeah <laughs> it's it's like, it's, oh. it's literally the fact that she's so like crispy <laughs> she she I mean firstly like. Kimberly basically being like, "This is on you if we all die." Yeah, exactly. Clear owes you nothing. Like that poor woman is just trying to live out the rest of her life. She has been through so much trauma because, I mean, she says her friends, but like her classmates at least, like people that she knew, people that she like grew up with. Kind of, I think, essentially her boyfriend. I think she ends up dating Alex. I don't. Yeah, I mean, she makes a sculpture about about him, so you know, it has to be love. Like, it has to be or at least trauma bonding or something. Exactly. But you know. The best relationships are made through trauma bonding, let's be uh, honest. <laughs> and if any, if there's any way to trauma bond, it's surviving a plane crash or avoiding exactly. a plane crash and surviving exactly. death. <laughs> but, but, then, but then, like, when, when she explodes, so, like, to explain kind of how Eugene dies, it's like all the hospital equipment, it, it, it's death's wind again. Exactly. It's all the hospital equipment kind of moves in the wrong place. And the, the different directions, closed. not even yeah. like the same direct. everything's just pulling different directions. It might as well be like death being in the middle and going, whoop, whoop, <laughs> I'm going to scoot you to the left, I'm going to scoot you to the right, like this cable's going to get a bit too taut. <laughs> and like you can just see Eugene like panicking yeah. and like, you feel for it and you just see him yeah. going, shit, what the fuck is happening? And He's then, like, like, I you, thought this was over. <laughs> you see him trying to like push like the nurse, like the nurse's button and then that just slips out of his hand because the mm-hmm. death is like nope yeah. <laughs> death just bats that away from him like a, like the cat analogy again yeah. he is a cat exactly you are so smart with this proven yes. <laughs> theory proven death is a cat <laughs> but it's like and then when and when clear, clear opens the door there's like a spark from a plug that's slightly pulled out and, it, and like, then the oxygen, the oxygen goes go, off cool. and it's the fact that Claire doesn't even scream. There is nothing. She just gets a full-on, like, flame face, goes really, really, like, burnt, and is just so shocked by the thing. And then her, like, corpse gets thrown (laughs) across a corridor. I mean, that is the one, the one mannequin again i'm yeah. going back to the mannequins again i'm sorry i'm obsessed uh, the one mannequin that i'm a bit like okay that you can tell that's not not really a body it's it's her being thrown backwards down that hallway she's so like stiff yeah. she's, she's, just, like, uh, she's like a solid plastic mannequin just being like Whoop. also like kind of almost exactly like actually circling back to the start the premonition but like clearly the mannequin with like the really fake blonde wig to be the yes. friend like just the head out, it's amazing out of the sun that, yeah. the and hair also, going, like... there is there is a continuity error there which you can tell how many times i've watched this film because i know there's a continuity error there because the sunroof is not open before that <laughs> and then when it does the flip the sunroof is all of a sudden open and her friend's head is just like hello <laughs> just throw it <laughs> 
oh it's just hilariously it's amazing it makes me so happy yep i just oh but i just feel so bad for clear because like no he was safe in her padded room now it wasn't the most luxurious life but she was safe she was alive (laughs) he was alive and death couldn't get her in there presumably like so (laughs) it's just and then like kimberly's like oh you you owe it to the world to stop us from dying (laughs) it's just like Hun, she owes you nothing. What are you saying? Like, you have literally met this woman two minutes ago, and now you're like, my life is in your hands, and if you don't help me, I'm going to die. And it's just like, no, that's not, that's not true. Like, I'm sure they would have worked it, well, they probably wouldn't have worked it out, because, you know, spoiler alert, pretty much everyone dies anyway. Yeah, but I guess they needed clear to find yeah. out who Bloodworth was, yeah. otherwise they probably would have never have made that, but yeah, I guess. So without clear, we wouldn't have had Tony Todd in it, so, you know, maybe well, maybe we are thankful to Kimberly for convincing. Yeah, I, I forgive us slightly, just because it means Tony Todd came back into my life, and I'm okay yeah. with that. <laughs> exactly, but also, it's just like, Clearly, as you said, Claire had literally just met this woman like mm-hmm. not even two minutes ago and then somehow knows where she lives. Just like <laughs> rocks up at her house and just like outside the car. And it's like, She's let's just do there, this. like, hey, and you're just like, how did you get her address? <laughs> it's just like, are you ready to do this? Like, and Kimberly doesn't kind of freak out, kind of yeah. going, how do you know where I live? It's yeah, just like, like yes, are you stalking me? Let's like, do this. Let's fight yeah, death. It's just, it's, it's so funny. It's, it's another, it's another classic early two thousands assumption moment where you're just like, ah, oh, the exposition's there, I guess. We'll just roll with it. Like yeah. the, the potholes don't matter. Let's just get to the next death kind of thing. Exactly. I, I think it's like something very similar again to, and it's almost like like a sister franchise in a way because they were coming out similar times but like the Saw films which are oh, very yes. much like you know very much designed around the traps and wanting to see how people will die mm-hmm. Final Destination films again you want to see how people are going to be killed elaborately by death in yeah. hilarious I think, ways I think I definitely have like a track history of liking like films with like strong death moments because the Saw franchise is another one of my favorites yeah. like I mean I mean the, the the later ones are absolute trash let's be honest oh, they, yeah. they they always get worse as you go along in the series but Saw 2 is actually my favorite in that series as well for some reason I always seem to like the second ones and I don't know why it's just yeah that one is absolutely batshit crazy as oh, well but totally. I just I love it I can't I th- help myself and I think it's like in a way and it was something like because I for my deep dive it was like um ariel ariel parish that i talked about the saw films on Mm -hmm. my podcast and it was something i said to her that like with the saw franchise i kind of very much think like saw the very first film is almost like the prologue it's like yes film zero and then saw two is technically the first saw film as we know them because that's where the traps come into it and Mm -hmm. in a similar way i guess you could almost say the same with final destination because like the first film is the one that kind of like sets up the rules like as in todd's death the first death following everything that had happened previously like you don't know what's happening because that's the first time that death is killing someone off. Whereas mm-hmm. now in Final Destination 2, oh, we know what the rules are. We know what we're looking for. So it goes more elaborate and more and bigger. So yeah, I think it, there's a similar overlap maybe in how oh, definitely, the franchises work. <laughs> yeah, I think I think with uh, Final Destination 2, it's like, you know how this plays out. Strap in, kids. Let's go. Like <laughs> Exactly. It's just let's like... just get to the bit you want to see. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, we know what we're working with here. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah, and just like, yeah, it's just so many ridiculous moments and fun deaths. But also one of the ridiculous moments, which I adore, is when like Kimberly like has the premonition of like she and she thinks the doctor is going to kill Isabella. Oh, yeah. and it's why? Like, <laughs> why is that where your brain goes? <laughs> it's it's. I like the the connections that this uh, person makes to the events. I'm like, when in what timeline is a doctor ever going to want to be like, you know what, I'm gonna kill that person? Like, forget saving them, forget my job, forget my day job, forget uh, the fact I work in hospital with a bunch of other people that will definitely stop me from also trying to kill someone. <laughs> like, definitely, like Kalajian's the the reason that everyone dies, like, according to Kimberly. Yeah. It's, and, they, so and also the rest of the characters just go, yep, that makes yep. sense. Yeah, they're like, all right, yeah, we'll go along with that. <laughs> Nobody just, questions it. Oh, yeah. But I it's, just it's the assumption it. that she is just correct. Like she's just 
definitely she's the one having the vision she must know it's like no clearly her vision's going to be blurry they're going to be skewed she's not going to really understand know, them. exactly she you know we have no idea how she's interpreting these so the other characters can't exactly you know? so, oh but i love it and Same. but yeah but then like i just love the moment where like the baby is born and they're all mm-hmm. just like in the room celebrating and she's like who the fuck are you like doesn't know yeah. any of oh, Isabella like, just being you? like who are these people <laughs> And, and they're like thank you congratulations uh-uh. and she's literally looking at them like please get what out of my room I've just given birth <laughs> yeah like what the fuck is happening yeah. and then and then we lead to Eugene and mm-hmm. Claire dying and then Kimberly realises no what needs to happen is I need to kill myself and Kalarjian needs to save me and yes. like steals the ambulance and like drives into the water and then it leads to you know eventually they get her into the hospital Kalarjian does resuscitate her bring her back to life and then there's that like it's like is there like an angel here because there's just the light that just lights her up and she's oddly glowing and it's like I I genuinely when she woke up and it was like the fake out ending I thought the hospital was on fire because it's like it's not even like it's it's like an orange glow like an orangey yellow and I was like oh death's not done there's fire yeah. <laughs> I just oh. I just assumed or maybe the fire from Eugene earlier is just carried on <laughs> throughout this yeah, entire thing put it out, so. put it out yet. don't worry <laughs> about it kids we'll sort it later <laughs> oh but yeah and it's like and then they survive and I think mm-hmm. it's happy ending and then yes. it goes and the random farm where they had like a massive car accident and multiple deaths are just like please have dinner with us <laughs> what like, we're like, friends now it's bonding through trauma again exactly <laughs> like we don't know each other but we've had this traumatic experience so please break bread with us yes. and then the random farmhand dies at the barbecue mm-hmm. oh, and it just ends cut fade to black brilliant so yes. that is final destination two would you recommend this film to horror fans or just kind of film fans in general Oh, 100%. I will always recommend this film. It is by far one of my favourite films of all time, just because, I mean, I am fully aware it's an absolute trash fire in in all the best ways. It's just so much fun. I think it's the type of film that I will recommend people to put on when they don't really want to have to like think too much about it the premise is right in your face it's like they survived death death's coming for them boom have some like awesome horrible gory moments i think the only time i wouldn't recommend it is if someone is like quite squeamish but Mm. i don't associate with those people anyway so it's fine (laughs) (laughs) exactly and also terrific kind of like film to have a group of mates over and stuff like that because they you can just all react together to the ridiculous moments oh yeah brilliant but oh thank you so much for coming on to talk all things final destination 2 with me so before i let you go where can people find you and support your work and just follow you in general um so if you want to have a look for my work you can find me on ghouls magazine uh that is ghoulsmagazine.com we release regular uh, reviews, editorials, think pieces. Uh, we've got c- quite a, f- a lot of fun things kind of in the pipe work at the minute. I'm working on a, a couple of articles that I'm really excited for. So I really can't wait for people to see them. Um, you can follow me on socials. I am fall underscore out underscore Iona everywhere because I am a very self-proclaimed emo kid and fallout boy will always be my favorite band. And you know, no, no more explanation needed. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I just kind of float around the the horror kind of stratosphere, I guess. You'll probably see me pop up in all sorts of places. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking all things Final Destination 2 with me. I've had an absolute blast. And to my listeners, keep your eyes and ears peeled for the next episode to come out in my deep dive into the Final Destination franchise. Thanks for listening to Fishnets and Philosophy.